0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's
1: fastest-growing TV brand. Hockey! Yeah. yeah, My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Beard and play. Next, um, the that we have not started yet. For me, playoff beard attempt for you. Nice coffee mug. What's that coffee mug to get? This is
0: a brand-new office coffee mug. Uh, a friend of mine got me it for my birthday last week. She knows I love the office, and, um... It's got a bunch of fun office sayings on it did i stutter the fire is shooting at us dundee awards if you're a fan of the office you will know all these references judd i know i know you've seldomly watched the office
1: i watched it i watched it steve corral days quite a bit okay i okay. pretty much quit after that
0: uh but yeah it's a brand new it's a big one too it has yeah. like probably two cups of coffee I'm, i usually like just the traditional oh. normal size coffee mugs i no don't nugget. like i don't like too much
1: Big coffee mug like I've got. you got to yeah, get but, the big coffee This mug.
0: one's like as big as my head right here. So it, it, it houses two cups of coffee, and it works really well.
1: So as far as that show goes, my <laughs> suggestion is this. If you have not unearthed the original Ricky oh, Gervais yeah. series, it's fantastic. It's yes. better. It's better. It's hilarious. And Gervais back then was just magnificent. I
0: disagree that it was better, but I do think it was funny. It's pretty damn funny.
1: Gervais, I like Gervais more because he he really is probably way more of a jerk than Carell is. So I thought the character worked perfectly because he's largely like he's not stupid, but he's also not acting because he's got jerk. I I don't think Steve Carell's a jerk. I think he seems like a decent guy.
0: So sure. I got you.
1: All right. So the National Hockey League, Declan, we found out finally is going to be back. They're going to start January 13th. Um, we do not have, we're recording this at just after noon on Tuesday. We do not have a wild schedule yet. We know it's going to be 56 games. Uh, we know what division they're going to be in. There are also five wild training camp storylines that I've gotten, uh, that we can get to, but yeah, let's start, let's start with league wide stuff and let's start with this question. You go first. Okay. Your thoughts on, on a consolidated, very tight 56 game regular season.
0: I'm fine with it. I'm I'm totally okay with it. I think everyone's consensus is: is it perfect? No, but we'll take it. I think as everyone has been saying that from what when I've heard on SiriusXM and other places too. That is it perfect? No, but in in the imperfect world that is 2020, which is now still now lingering, obviously into 2021, I'm okay with it. I I, I like the seeds. I like the divisions. I like I like most of the things about it. I'm curious what this travel schedule looks like. It looks like we'll get a schedule here in the next 24 hours after recording this. Um, But I think it's going to be kind of a lot like what baseball does, Judd, where it's just they're going to be playing the same teams, maybe back to back days or even in even in three game series or spurts like that, just to limit the amount of travel you're doing. Um, So there'll be some logistical hiccups, I'm sure. But in general, I'm for it. I like it.
1: I will say this. I actually think um a regular season schedule between 56 and 60 games decks is preferable. I think they have this I think now now as far as what you're saying about travel and the fact that they can't leave their hotels that's not great. I get that. But the actual number of games, I love this. I love this. You know why? Cuz I am a fan of whatever makes opening night meaningful. Mm-hmm. And and traditionally, I'm sorry but opening night in hockey or the NBA as well, right? It means nothing. Like, it's like, oh, it's opening night, and I'll check back with you at Christmas, right? Right. Th- this is going to be quick training camp, no exhibition games, drop the puck, and you can't really struggle. Like, if you get off to a bad start, you're toast. You're done. Yeah. You're done. So so I get from a a financial standpoint, 82 games is going to be – probably what we stick with i get that i don't like it but but 56 to 60 games from a fan standpoint i love it and there are there's like give me a reason give me a a really solid case to play 82 regular
0: season games
1: i love the sport i can't give you one
0: and you and i have been have been calling for games to be shortened or the season to be shortened for forever now for as long as we've been doing this podcast you know, I, I didn't think it'd go as small as 56 i think maybe we were looking more at like 65 70 if we were really trying to shorten the season in a non-covid year uh but in general yeah I, I, it's the point that i've always liked to make how come baseball is twice the regular season and it finishes quicker than hockey and basketballs with their playoffs because yep. there's an 82 regular game season it takes forever there's 16 teams that get in the playoffs it's a it's a whole lot of hoopla so if they can shorten this and and for the most part with the way the schedule is shaping up in the, in the league year not just how they want this done i mean the draft will be done by i believe late july i mean basically things are only like three weeks pushed back from where they traditionally have been so really i mean it, it, god willing if everything goes back to normal by the you know or at least we're trending in the back to normalcy by the fall of 2021 and that's a don't, long shot still
1: don't get greedy
0: yeah. However, it, it, it's it's at least looking like that the league and the calendar year is falling to the falling into place that they want things to be back to normal by October of 2021 and things won't be so yeah. rushed.
1: Yes, I if if this was not going to be driven by the uh, by the dollar, I would say that the one thing that we're going to see again, though, is is because the playoffs are great. Like I that's fine. The playoffs are fine. Um, but the one thing that we're going to see again is it's going to be really fun to have a regular season that is meaningful from day one. So I like this. Uh, second thing. So we've got redone for one year divisions. Uh, the playoff format is going to be inter-division playoffs and yep. then a reseed eventually. Mm-hmm. All games are going to be played within your team division so your 56 games will all be played against your division opponents and then there's going to be no regard for or acknowledgement of conferences so a stanley cup final could be toronto boston colorado dallas i'll start again with this one for what for what we're up against here in one season i really like this like i i don't know i need to see this play out to decide because the wild cards to me i do like Mm -hmm. but Given what they're dealing with here, and the the fact that it's not going to be normal, the, the fact that you you know are going to have problems probably with outbreaks, and you don't want a ton of travel and all of that good stuff, I think for for what they were up against, they've come up with a really good plan that could be fun, and there could be things there could be I'm not certain to be learned from this going forward for how what might be the best idea for playoff structure i sort of like the fact that the uh stanley cup final could be like teams that ordinarily can't meet because mm-hmm. unlike baseball i don't really care about conferences correct like i'm not a big oh that's a sacrilege toronto can't play montreal right it might be fun right so i do think again just like with the uh 56 games i think they potentially have stumbled on something that they could learn from
0: Right. And I mean, how much fun would it, could it have been for other sports if we could have seen like a Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan NBA Finals or, you know, a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady Super Bowl? You know, like I, I love this idea that it doesn't have to be within your conference and, and the whole, you know, relocation. And I know there's, you know, there's Minnesota was always going to be on this bubble, for the lack of a better word, of which spot they're going to get in because of where they're geographically located. And for years, I mean, Judd, what was it in the 70s? The Norris division had team, you had. Teams on the East Coast, you had Vancouver, you had all over the globe, you know, like it was never organized successfully. And now I know that was 1975. It was 40, 50 years ago. At the same time, relocation, I think, would always get better. And I, I kind of like where the Wild are in the West.
1: I uh, I don't mind it for now. So so the thing is, I like it when you're playing teams close by, just because I, I think it does breed potentially more... More hostility but i but but in going back since the wild has been placed in the uh central mm-hmm. when we see the Blackhawks play, like they don't play a style, so I, I might be wrong there like it's hard to hate the Blackhawks, I get that people don't like uh Kane and Taze and uh Duncan Keith, but like they don't play a style that you hate them for, so you might be right there, the other thing though is if you forget the start times. Cause that's going to be the big thing, right? People are going to complain about that. I get that. And I, don't care. I do, I, but I get, I get, I get that it. if you work at nine, I get, it. I get that. That's fine. But like, let's put the start times aside. When you look at the restructured for 2020 2021 central and West decks, mm-hmm. I think the wild caught a break. I, I think that as far as if you are going to be, so what, what they're going to do for this season is take the top four teams from each division and have them then play each other in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, so the wild card's gone. The, the whole format of like the Western Conference, Eastern Conference is gone. I think if you look at what the wild has been put in as far as the division goes versus if they had been flipped into the central, I think there's a real case to be made that just from a finishing in the top four and making the playoff tournament format, I think they – it's not a huge one, but I do think that they caught a break because I don't know. Like my guess is that the Ducks, the Kings, or the Sharks—one of those three—are going to be improved, but I don't think they're going to be great. Right? right? Okay. Yep. So, so the top four teams from the new West from last year, yeah, are St. Louis, which had ninety-four points in the Central, Vegas, which had eighty-six points in the Pacific, Colorado, which to jump back to the Central had ninety-two points. The Wild, and then the next team from the Pacific were the Coyotes with 74 points. So I think that, I believe that the Golden Knights, the Blues, and the Avs are cinches. I think they're going to be fine. They're the top three teams. Yes. After that, though, that thing is wide open. And I think that there's a really going to be a great opportunity for the Wild, if they play their cards right, to grab that one. Don't you?
0: Yes, I do. I think if no matter what, if you're looking at the West or the Central, the Wild, we're at best the fourth best team. That's why I will say, because even in the Central, Carolina is better than the Wild. Tampa Bay is certainly better than the Wild. And Dallas is better than the Wild.
1: And Dallas that, probably got flipped to the West, right? If if yeah. if the Wild goes to the Central, Dallas yeah. is probably in the West. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my guess. But
0: it could have been a different little story there. But True. in general, I, I think if you're looking at the Central and the West division, the Wild were going to be probably at best the fourth best team if they achieved what they were supposed to achieve. But I think the bottom feeders in the West, the Kings, the Sharks, the ducks, all of those teams are bottom feeders and, and central has some too. Chicago's not going to be good. You know, um, Detroit. but Detroit's going to be awful, yeah. but I, I think the Wild can make hay against the, those Western conference teams more. And, and, I don't know how much stock I do put into this, but in general, the Wild have played the Pacific really, really well in their franchise. I mean, they they have Vegas's number. I have no idea how they've beaten Vegas seven out of eight times in, in their appearances. Now, Vegas is far and away a more superior hockey team than the Wild, and I would take them eight days a week in, in a playoff series against Minnesota right now. Right. But I, I think the way, the way it's shaped up, I think the Wild have a very good chance to get into the top four because I, I think in general – you know, it's it's the usual narrative of making hay against the bad teams, going 500 against the good teams. So, like, I, I envision the Wild taking 60% of the games against those California teams, and if they can play 500 hockey against the top top guys in Colorado and Vegas, yep. then I, I like their chances. I do. I, and, I think it's a good spot.
1: And I think in the uh, Central, potentially, the teams that would cause you problems. So, like, the teams that – in the West, it looks like to me – the team that you're mainly going to be competing with for the fourth spot is probably the uh, coyotes. Right. And then, and then like the sharks, the Kings or the ducks could jump up. I don't think all three do, but I think one could, but I don't know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the central, the problem is Florida's not bad. They could jump up Nashville. Right. Same exact thing. Columbus. So I think your problem is, is let's say the top, um, let's say the top three teams in the central are going to be Tampa Bay, Dallas and Carolina. Sure. Your competition for that fourth spot in the central division, in my opinion is greater than it probably is the West. And as far as the team goes to be clear here, I don't think going out West for extended periods of time and staying there and playing is going to be a problem for the players. I get the fans because of start times, but, but like, uh, Billy Guerin did his press conference. The uh, Wild GM yesterday did a, a Zoom call, I should say. Right. And he was asked a bunch of questions about, you know, but what about the travel? What about the tra- Remember, they're going to go to California and basically shack up there. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to play the Kings and it's a home and home. You know, it's an old school home and home. We're coming home to play the Kings. Now we're going back out West. This is not going to be the, the league. I, I think when we see the schedule, we're going to find that the league is trying to move heaven and earth not to have teams travel a ton. So I think the Wild's going to go out West and basically stay there for an extended period of time. And then they'll come home and play here for probably what we consider ordinarily to be an extended period of time. So this whole notion that, oh my God, they're going to log all of these miles and they're going to be tired. They'll log miles, but they'll also just stay there. And I think once you're there, if you're a pro athlete, you're fine. Now the mental part, of basically being hunker down in, in your hotel will be probably a grind. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the traditional part of, man, that guy looks tired because he just traveled a lot, I don't think that's
0: going to be a problem. I, I don't think that's going to be a problem necessarily. I, I do think, and maybe we'll transition to it, but with no preseason, I think the first couple weeks of the season are going to look a lot like the plan. So it's going to be sloppy, it's going to be choppy, it's not going to be pretty we're taking it because it's hockey, and we want hockey back, and we obviously were for that. Um, but in in terms of the traveling, I mean, I think this is the the best lesson the NHL can learn here. I mean, you should do this just like baseball does, just like when the Twins go out west. The Twins don't play three in Seattle, come home to Minnesota, then play three in Los Angeles. It doesn't make any damn sense. So stay out there for nine games or nine days, wherever the hell it is. I think that's the best way to go about this. So, yeah, I I think there's something to be said about Being bogged down, I know, in a Four Seasons hotel or wherever the hell it is for a few days. But at the same time, just like any other quarantine, we've all quarantined. You get stir-crazy. You get stir-crazy whether you're in the Four Seasons or you're in the North Loop or you're in SLP. It doesn't matter. Um, So I I, I do think that this traveling system can be actually what the NHL will probably take the most from. And if that means getting rid of back to back, like you said, going from L.A. into Minneapolis, good. Like good, I, I I don't I don't want to see a team on the heels of a back to back and having to start the backup goaltender because the other goalie was tired. We're going to see a lot to of backup it. goalies, deck. Back yes, a are. lot of them this year. Yeah, we are. Because, um, so, yeah,
1: that's a great point too about the travel and and um, I do think that you just hit on something that's going to be so intriguing to watch, and that's this. The first five to eight, but probably the first five games, right? By most teams, are going to be terrible. Like they are going because yeah. they're not. And, and I love, I love the, the fact that they're not playing exhibition games. But it is going to be ripe for bad play. Mm-hmm. But what's intriguing is it's going to be the teams that can snap out of that funk the quickest. Yes. Because again, with a fifty-six game season, you can't like have ten bad games and be like, well, now it's you know the true. What's the traditional wild motto? Let's get to February and flip the old switch, right? Let's flip the switch in yep. February. Zach will get hot. And we'll be great, and then we'll swoon. get... Cold. Swoon in January. The January yeah. swoon. Swoon a swoon. You're done. <laughs> you're, no, I'm serious. You're right. you're, you're done. Like you're if done. you have a if you start off with oh boy those first five games though you know and now it's six games and man it's tough we're we are getting our like that's going to be what you hear right we are getting our legs under us. <laughs> uh, if a division gets off to a good start, you could be absolutely dead. Okay, I want to give you my favorite of the four divisions. Now, the Canadian division is still up in the air because we don't know exactly who's going to be allowed to play where in Canada and if um there's going to be with the provinces no travel restrictions. But can I give you my favorite cuz it's just going to be a bloodbath and it's going to be so yeah. much fun. Have you looked at the East? Yeah. The is. East, the East has Boston 100 points, okay? They've got Islanders, 80 points last year. The Rangers, 79 points. Philadelphia, 89. Pittsburgh, 86. Washington, 90. New Jersey and Buffalo were the only two non-bubble teams. That division is going to be so much fun. And you're going to have, I would say you're going to have a minimum of two really good teams Mm -hmm. that don't make it. Because it's four teams, right? Like I think Boston's in. Don't you? Yep. I think Washington's in. Yep. I think Philadelphia is coming off a really good year. And let's say the Rangers. All right. Right. Okay. Or Pittsburgh. But I mean, my point is you've got two what what are going to be two really legitimate, really good teams. And keep in mind too, these teams are going to only play each other. Mm -hmm. Like they are going to kick each other's asses on a nightly basis. This is going to be fun. But man, if I was in the East, I would be I'd be saying, give me something, you know, give me something else here, boys. This is gonna be really tough.
0: I I hate to be this person because they won, what, three Stanley Cups in this last ten years. But Pittsburgh, if you're Pittsburgh right now, okay, so you've had some brutal postseason exits since you won your last cup, right? I think you've only won like three of your last twenty playoff games. It's been a little bit brutal. You got bounced against Montreal as a fifth and twelfth seed in that play in tournament. And now there could be a very compelling case that they'll be the last team out with still a very good record because you have teams like Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, Islanders. Don't forget the Islanders. Oh no. You know, you're gonna it have is. you're gonna have a collection. And what if teams. Buffalo comes back and actually plays well? I know they're they're gonna be at least interesting. I don't know if they're they're gonna be a shoe-in by any means, but I think they'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I, I think you're gonna have two teams, and especially one of those two teams is gonna be Pittsburgh, that's gonna be say, whoa, whoa hold on here. You're telling me Minnesota and the West only finished with 40 points and we finish with 47, but we don't get in, and now we get screwed. You know what it is? The NFC East, Declan. It's
1: the, the, the other divisions, they're they're gonna look at like Washington's football team, right? They're six yeah. and eight, but they're a playoff team right now. The teams in in the National Hockey League's Eastern Division are going to look at, to your point, the West the West and be like, Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. The Eagles made the playoffs.
0: Right. So and, and what what's really interesting, Judd, is how again, how that seating really shakes out because remember the wild own Pittsburgh's first round pick next year. I believe if it's, uh, if it's, if it's lot, I think they own it regardless. I don't know no. if it's lottery protected or not, right? It. They own it. It's not. So if it. you're, if you're a wild fan, you're rooting for Pittsburgh's demise. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's what you would want. Essentially you're going to walk away with two first round picks. Hopefully maybe one of them in the lottery and one of them, you know, in classic wild fashion between 12 and 20. So I, I you'd have to root for Pittsburgh's demise here. And I and I, I don't feel sorry for Penguins fans because you've had Sidney Crosby and Malkin in multiple cups in the last 12 years. But at the same time, it's going to be frustrating if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan and you're that last team looking out in that division because it's going to be cutthroat as hell. But you're
1: right. You know what? Too bad. So, sorry, Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> sorry things didn't go well. But that division is going to be a great fun. Let's transition to five training camp questions involving the state of hockey's <laughs> Minnesota Wild, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you the the, the first one, and the floor is yours. We are finally going to get a chance. Yes, the day is almost here. Training camp opens for the Wild because they went to the bubble in early January to see Kirill Kaprizov, all right? What should – so, like, the speculation is done. He's, He's here. He's here in the flesh. What, Declan Goff, in your opinion, should be the expectations for him now that we can see him play and now that he is really going to be on the team as opposed to saying, wow, when he gets here, it's going to be great. What do you expect from him in 2020 2021, or
0: 2021? I, I, I think my, my initial reaction is the expectations aren't going to be fair. Um, I, I think he's going to have a lot of hype around him and rightfully so. He was arguably the best player in the KHL the last three years, which is the best hockey league that's not called the NHL. Um, I think this is a kid who's going to be expected to score goals. I think he's going to be expected to be a good skater and I I expect him to put up points. Now, is it fair to put a 23 year old who hasn't spent a minute in North American hockey playing over here and expect him to be someone who's the same sniper he was in Russia? Probably not, but we've heard about him. We've heard about how highly touted he is. And I'm I'm not going to throw him under the wind. If in the first eight games, he only has a goal and, then he gets bag skated and he's getting buried because he because he isn't doing his job. I'm not going to bury him there. He
1: ain't going to bag skate him. I got bad news for you. But at the he'll, same time, him on the back,
0: he's he's gonna he's gonna have not a target on his back. Cause I don't want to say that, but he's gonna he's gonna be circled. He's gonna be circled as this guy is supposed to be the big, biggest savior of the franchise. Since so Argue Gabrick and I know Prez and Suter were great, but those were free agents where he were established. We knew who the hell they were. This is your biggest prospect. You know, I, I think it's a bigger prospect than it was Mikhail Grandlin. I think it's a bigger prospect than what Brett Burns was supposed to be. This is going to be, the expectations are going to be very, very high. And it's like I said, is it going to be fair that we're going to be possibly chastising him after the first week or two of the season? Probably not, but he's earned that. He, he, he We have to see him perform. The Wild need him to be successful.
1: It won't be fair to judge him after two weeks. And, and I think I've been on the, I believe I've been on the, Bandwagon of saying we can't have too much pressure, but I wrote this question last night, Declan Goff, and then I sort of started to do some digging and research into if I was right about trying to dial back the pressure. And I, I'm with you. Okay, so two weeks in, if he's not playing well, we just calm down. All right, but as far as the expectations go, all right, I'm going to paint a picture of who he is right now. He is 23. 5'11", 200 pounds. So he's a solid guy. Like, he's not a kid. He's not 19. He's a solid kid or guy. Uh, He is, to your point, played in the KHL for, I think, a better part of, like, six years now. Like, so he's been there for quite some time, right? Right. He he played for the CSKA Moscow team last year uh, and for the second straight year led the KHL, which to your point is the second best hockey league in the world with 33 goals. And I believe he has 63 goals in the last two years, 29 assists, uh, 62 points last year in 57 games. I think it's incredibly fair to, for the season, not immediately, because it might take some, some time for a, a lot of guys to adjust to how we're going to do things this season. But I think it's incredibly fair for the season to have really high expectations and to put pressure on on him based on where he played and age like if this you know what if he had come here decks at 19 or 20 i i would say come on calm down he is still growing he's a kid but he's 23 he's not a kid right so the more i looked at this i do think it's fair that our expectations immediately should be a top line a top line type of wing Mm -hmm. who can score goals not saying he's not going to slump. So I don't want this, I don't want this to appear that I think that he should score like 56 goals in 56 games. Okay. I'm not saying that. But the more I examined it, I, I think that the expectations need to be high. And I think that's fair because he he's not young for a player. I mean, at, you know, 23 is not, not right. a kid. He's not young and he is a guy who who has um developed himself in a really good league playing against men so not playing juniors there is no reason for us not to think that by the time the wild's 2021 season concludes that this kid has had a really impressive year and like if he if it takes too much time that's a that's not a sign that it's going to fall apart but that is definitely a bad thing considering the buildup that he, or the, um, I should say, the runway, that's probably the better word, that he has given himself to jump into this league and really should hit the ground going pretty quickly.
0: If I can put my hockey scout hat on here yeah. just, just for a second. I, I think what, we know the guy has a shot and we know the guy can score goals. I think he's a confident kid. Mm-hmm. I, I think the confidence is there. Mm-hmm. But I think what is so difficult for when people make this big jump from international play and into the, into the NHL is can the kid skate? Can he mm-hmm. skate well? Can he transition well? Mm-hmm. can he if he doesn't find his the goals, is that going to force him to be pressing a little bit more? basically, I think we'll be able to see it and, and I, I'm hoping fingers crossed that if they do allow media into the XL energy center we're able to actually see him in person because if the kid can skate well, I think he's, I think he's got a very bright future because how, how many guys in Russia come over here with the howitzer shot? but can't skate or don't care or don't want to, don't want to transition and and, and want to, want to be lax and daisical. I think he can skate. I'm not trying to make the assumption he can't, but I I do think his skating is going. And that's why I'm putting my scout hat on is going to be what tells us if this kid is for real or not. Can he skate?
1: So I I think it's fair to, that it's going to take a little bit of time for him to adapt, but I think that that adapting process should be fairly quick. And the one thing that we shouldn't have to go through with him, because again, of his experience in Russia and his age, is a learning experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna have to learn some things. But like this should not be uh, well, you know, he's a kid, so so we don't we can't do this, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that it is fair to apply pressure from day one as far as you stayed there, you played, that's fine, that's great, but that should benefit the wild. Right. So like the Wild shouldn't be sitting there with kid gloves on saying, oh, come on, you know, you people expected too much. This guy, and and I, I would say that it's fair probably to characterize Kaprizov as having the most pressure and expectations of immediate impact upon arrival for a guy who hasn't played in this league.
0: I, I would say it's it's right up there with Buxton and Sano. Like in terms of the process, and some fans are probably not going to want to hear that because Buxton and Sano have been so up and down a little bit. But I, I, in terms of prospects that have come to Minnesota or that I've been we've been waiting to see, I think he's right up there. I really think it's right up there. And and obviously baseball is a little different, but I think if this kid is for real, this is going to be a saving grace for the franchise. Like Buxton and Sano were supposed to be that, and it doesn't look like they're going to be the saving grace of the franchise. They're going to be key pieces that help the twins get to a world series, maybe still someday. But I think we've kind of maybe wrote off the, the opportunity that these guys are the saving grace. They're going to save the twins. Cause that's what we, that's what we were heard from 2012 to 2014. They're going to be the saving grace. And it turns out, ah, uh, maybe not saving grace, but still key parts of a championship team. And I think with Capri's I should say the expectations are legit. And I think hockey is a sport where he can step in and make that immediate impact. And I'm curious what happens. I'm really, and, young.
1: and he should be a star, right? He yeah. should be. He should be a star player, I, and I mean, this team has been starved for that. Uh, yeah, Buxton, Sano, Cat, you know, Cat. Yeah. It, it, as far as that that expectation, but I just the more I thought about the time that he spent in the KHL playing there, the more I, I thought if we all say you know let's dial it down, that's probably not good.
0: Hey, All hey, right. quick, quickly before you transition, do, do you put him on the same line as Kevin Fiala or do you spread the wealth out to start? What would you I, do?
1: Spread the, I spread the wealth out to start with. Okay. I spread the wealth out to start with. Um, eventually I might, but I think I probably put Kaprizov on the second line to start with and Fiala on the first line. But here's the problem. And, I, I know. I okay, know you're you're going. Come back, <laughs> you just came back to the biggest problem. I, know. I don't even have a first line center for <laughs> Fiala. So what the hell am I going to do? Like, who is the distributor? Like th- that's the problem is I think I've got two really good wings. Then if I go Fiala Capri I think my top two wings decks are really good. Right. Who's getting them the puck. I know Marco Rossi. He's 12, <laughs> you know, Johan. I mean, seriously.
0: Yeah. It's a big
1: question. Oh, question two. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's the biggest problem they've got. And I don't know. I, there's no answer. Like they don't have the guy. I know. Um, okay, when we're talking about uh, who is not going to start training camp practices, Alex Stalock and Zuccarello are both out. Uh, obviously, Matt had surgery on his right arm to alleviate what is, I guess, a torn ligament suffered last season. Stalock is out indefinitely. This one's a little bit more interesting yeah. because of an upper body injury. Does either concern you as we start camp? Um, and I would, I would project here. That Zuccarello and Stalock both will not be prepared when the season opens on January fourteenth.
0: Here's what's so funny: I'm actually more concerned and I'm more upset that Zuccarello got hurt than Stalock. Um, I think Stalock's injury—it it sounds like it was an off the ice. The weird, the way I'm reading between these tea leaves here, it seems like it's something that happened after the play-in tournament. Like where Zuccarello well, had an arm injury.
1: And don't forget that that when it comes to to things that we d- don't know. That that can involve COVID too, Declan, because like they, they they don't need to tell us
0: that. And, and they exactly won't. and I'm not trying so we, to speculate what, what happened. Wrong. And I'm 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 completely guessing what happened with Alex yeah. stalock And you don't know. But, but to answer your question, Zuccarello's injury bugs me, I guess, a little bit more. Because number one, when did he get this surgery? Did he did he not get it till recently? Like what, what did he oh, did he get? Right right? At, did he get it right after the planned tournament and then like just it's was intensive rehab and it's gonna take him a while to get going? That's where this one, this one kind of like irritates me. Cause it's like, well, wait a minute. Like he had arm, he had an arm surgery. Okay. When did he have the surgery? And also after the year you had, did you delay the surgery? Cause you wanted rehab. You didn't know what was going on. Like if I was Matt Zuccarello and I had this frustrating season, probably my worst season as a pro. And then did you just wait to get this? Like you already faced an uphill battle going into your second year. And now he's going to be completely rusty in year two. I I this does not spell good spell well for Matt Zuccarello because I, I I tried to defend him last year. I tried to t- try to hold on to him a little bit, and now I mean I'm I'm running out of carrots here.
1: One of the currently easily one of the top three probably worst sports contracts in Minnesota to a professional a- athlete is Matt's contract, right? I mean that contract is Paul Fenton's basically middle finger swan song to this franchise and being stuck. Uh, and yeah, and it, did, he, did he get hurt in the playing tournament and tried to rehab it and it didn't work? And so he had surgery. Did a doctor uh, diagnose it one way after that tournament and did another doctor come back? I mean, there's a lot of weird questions. Uh, and, and I guess I'd be more upset if he had contributed something. Now, here's my question. Here, he, he was such a dud. My question is this: Could you, to start the season, place him on on LTIR, which is the long term injury reserve list, which allows you, if you're allowed to do that, to free up salary cap space? Right, because that's what I would try and do. I, I mean, I just, I'm—they're going to give him another chance, and I get that. But his play last year to me was so uninspired, and he got that what the fifth year on that contract. So I'm curious to see what they do when it comes to him as far as contractually to start the year, because if you did bounce his contract uh, short-term off of your cap, that would give you the ability to possibly make a move, uh, which Garen basically said on his press, on a Zoom call, he's not going to do, but I mean, he's not going to tell you. He's not not going to say, you know what? I am planning to put Zuccarello on LTIR, and I've got all of these plans. Let me tell you about them here. I'm going to pull out this note page from my desk drawer, so we don't know that.
0: I think in a normal year, you long-term injury reserve him, and, and you can bring in a free agent. Um, I think with the way things are going right now, I don't think that's possible. You know, there's been fans that think you bring back Mikhail Granlin. I am so anti that I move. move. I, He's not. I, 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 don't and, and, him, not bringing Granlin back. And yeah, he knows that, and everyone should know that. And and then what happens? So then if, if Zuccarello comes back, then you then you're you're still logjam. Like I don't want that problem. Like some people think that's a good problem to have. No, I don't want that problem at all. I don't want two guys who are 28 and Zuccarello's case in his 30s then bogging down more roster spots. So, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, and in general, I think this does open the door for someone else younger to make a make a push. Yeah,
1: and that his contract is just going to be – it's just a death knell.
0: And I know Thomas Vanek was a humongous disappointment, and we can put him on the Mount Rushmore of free agent disappointments, but I'll tell you this. The contract was not the issue with Thomas Vanek. It was an effort and and distribution issue for Thomas Panic. It wasn't no, a contract.
1: Well, well, he couldn't move anymore either. Yeah. Like he got here and he was. Uh, that, yeah. Okay. Staylock. <laughs> is an interesting case because, as we said before, we don't know exactly what's wrong. I I wish him the best, and I hope he's fine. So I will start there, okay? Because he seems like a really nice guy, uh, and he's an, and he is a quality backup goaltender in this league. I get all that. However, his injury itself and be, being out, to me, does open up a great door of opportunity to Capo Kakanen, right? Because this gives you an opportunity now to go into the season. Cam Talbot is your clear-cut one. Yep. And now it was g- going to be a competition, if that, but probably not, between Capo uh, and Staylock. And my guess is if Staylock didn't get hurt or didn't get sick, I don't know what. My guess is that he was going to probably be the backup and th- and now we don't know when the American Hockey League was going to start Dex. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where Capo was going to play beyond practicing, which I don't like. Like I want Capo to play. Right. Um, if Stalex out to start this the year, which it almost certainly looks like he's going to be, now this opens up the door for Capo to back up Talbot, and Capo's gonna have to play. Like you can't, it's mm-hmm. it's not like, hey, we got three games and three nights. Mm-hmm. You Cam, are you set? So I do think that from a roster construction standpoint of being able to take a good, long, hard look at players, this actually works out in the sense that you have to make a decision here at some point in time. Can Koppel play here? Is he potentially long-term a top goalie, which he might be. This opens up the door to starting to go down that path.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm excited that Capo gets a look, and I know they brought back the Hamburglar too. And he's, you know, he might be on the taxi squad or but, but might get an extended look at, in training camp. But it's now Capo. It's now Capo that gets a chance to be the backup. And honestly, uh, if the AHL season, I haven't looked into the logistics of that. And to be honest, my head's been spinning with the NHL one. Not going to go down the AHL path not yet. Not yet. Um, so if, if if he can't, if Capo can't be the number one guy in the AHL, then it's only going to be beneficial for him to be the backup and play every third night for the Wild. Um, and it's, that's a good thing to have. And yeah, which obviously was Stalock the best, you know, I, I, I'm tooting my own horn here. I did have a write that down in October that neither Dubnyk or Stalock would be your opening night goaltending tandem. Um, at the beginning of the next NHL season, I certainly did not ex- expect, expect to get traded that quickly. And I certainly did not expect Alex Stalock to go through whatever ailment he's going through. Well, Gary, so,
1: not mess around Declan Goff. So it's, it's an,
0: it's an accidental opposite field home run for me. If this indeed happens again, just tooting my own horn. Cause I love to talk about myself, go, but, um, but Capo Capo getting a look is going to be a good thing for the Wild.
1: Question three. Do, do you see a chance that uh, top pick Marco Rossi, who has been playing in Zurich in the Swiss League and now is actually going to go play uh, for Austria in the upcoming World Juniors, which start on Christmas Day and which, by the way, are fantastic to watch. Oh, yeah. Do you see a chance that Marco Rossi makes the opening night roster because again, going back to our point from before, they really need help at center.
0: Here's the thing: if if he has any shot of making the roster, number one, you got to root that Austria gets bounced quick from the World Juniors tournament. I mean, at, not, because it, it's going to take him a while to get if he's going to be uh, and the World Juniors is that in Canada this year? Canada, yeah, Canada. Edmonton bubble. Ed, okay. we're,
1: we're going back to a bubble in Edmonton. Does that sound familiar?
0: Yeah, no kidding um so what if you want him to make if you're a wild fan and you're looking for him to make this roster the first thing you have to root for is Asha gets bounced in the three games and then they're done and he can he can then quarantine here he has to test negative I believe for seven days and he's gonna I believe if, if everything worked out well he can still get here early into training camp but he, I don't think he's gonna be ready here to start training camp so he already faces an uphill battle but if he plays get- great but if
1: he plays great in the world juniors you might have a decision that that, that's the point here is that they don't like if they had if they were set you know we got our top two guys i'd be like okay probably not but i am curious um like you tell me who who is your right now who is your opening night we're about to face it off center
0: top line center
1: yeah. I mean, it's, I know who they list on the depth it's, chart, but
0: it's, it's unfortunately Johansson and yeah, he's he's not, a, center. he's not a center. I would honestly, Judd, I I'd, I'd honestly go with Benino. I would honestly go with Nick Benino. I I'd love to it, debate
1: you and say that's yeah, I don't <laughs> I honestly don't know. I know. Houston's like, going to get a shot. Johansson's g- going to to get a shot uh at the top line position. Um um uh Duh, 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 Duh. Erickson Eck is Nack. going to get a shot, I think, probably is the second or third-line guy. And and I, I do think that he is probably, with the way he plays the game, an ideal third-line center, don't yep. you? Of course. But, uh, but the Rossi thing is only a talker to me. and And I am not, in this case, I am not in favor of trying to force this. Like, I would prefer to see him develop. But I think if he plays in the World Juniors and goes back – I don't think the Canadian Junior Leagues have a plan to start yet, and so he, he would go back to Zurich. So, I mean, there's going to be a temptation, I think, to try and keep him here, probably. Um, and if they did have depth, I'd say no chance. I think there's a chance. I, I don't think it's probably 50%, right? but I think it's probably 25%.
0: I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably 20%. And, and that's the conundrum you're in. Do you want him to shine the world juniors tournament? Cause that's good for his individual rank and, and how we see him. Or do you want the team to get bounced quickly? So you can really get him into Minnesota's training camp and get familiar with the situation and go from there. That's why yeah. th- 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 this is a conundrum for him. I think he's I, from everything everyone has said, this is the biggest steal of the first round of the draft. Like all the draft experts think Marco Rossi falling to, you know, the wild at nine, wherever the hell it was, was the biggest surprise of the draft. So you want to see if this guy's legit? He's nineteen. He's a center, by the way, a center. This is the guy.
1: The the only reason why I'm broaching
0: this. Yeah. Otherwise, no way. I know. So it's an interesting conundrum for them to be in. I, I think what will happen is he'll get here. He might make the roster and be on the taxi squad or be like an extra forward or something. And then after, you know, the, the seven days, they'll probably loan him back to Austria. They don't burn the first year of his contract. They did the right. same thing with Matt Dumba when he was a rookie. I think that's probably the path that happens. But if but if he steps foot and he shows in training camp, oh my God, no, this guy is legitimate. Let's do it. Burn the first year of his contract. You know what yeah.
1: the problem is? The problem is this too, or the issue is, is this from a player standpoint, Declan. I could see Fiala, who I don't think holds his tongue internally, I could see him going to Guerin and Dino and saying, guys, I'm playing with Joe He's a winger. Like, if, if this kid can come here and pass the puck and make plays, I think Fiala might make a really strong case. Because to a certain degree, Fiala is going to go as his pivot goes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, his... His line is if you have Johansson playing center like a wing, that's going to be a problem there. So it could get dicey. Uh, I'm not in favor of trying to rush the kid, but I do see a case where they might say, okay, let's try this. Three wild players, three wild players, uh, Declan Goff, have gone immediately from the draft to the roster. Gabrick. Pierre Marc Bouchard, and can you give me the last wild player to go directly from the being drafted to the wild roster? Was it Eck? No. Was it It's a hundred years ago. Okay. It's a Hold long, on. it's a long time
0: ago. Say so. It might someone... not seem
1: obvious because, because this guy drove Jacques up the wall, but he actually had a lot of talent.
0: Was it Bernsey? It was.
1: It was, was Brent Burns. It oh. was Brent Burns. That's the last one. Three wow. wild players. So, yeah. If uh, Rossi goes directly to the uh, wild roster, he will become only the fourth one to do it. All right. Question four: Do you believe Bill Guerin when he tells us on Zoom hmm. that he has yet to pick a captain? The the question was asked. I think it was by Dave Schwartz of Care. Uh, he basically had said, "You picked a captain." but have not announced it yet. And Bill Guerin came back with, we haven't picked a captain. It's being discussed. A lot of good candidates. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that this team has identified the captain to uh, succeed Miko
0: Koivu? I think they've, I think they have their decision made. Um, I think it's Jared Spurgeon. I think that's obviously the odds on favorite. Um, obviously if who I would wa- I want, I want it to be Marcus Felino. I mean, I really do want it to be Foligno. I think we agree on this. Um, he has all the characteristics and expectations of being a captain. I know he's entering the last year of his deal. I know that when you look at someone like Jared Spurgeon, who's been the quiet leader of the team, everyone loves him. He has the fancy new contract. It makes sense. I know there's Zach Parisi, who's been a captain before, and has arguably been even a more notable Minnesota wild player than Miko Koivu was for God's sakes. Okay. Like he, he, he's Minnesota hockey. He's been a captain before veteran big goals. He's a veteran. Yep. It makes some sense. I don't think Suter's is going to be the captain of this team. Um, I honestly don't think he has a shot at being the captain of this team. I really I don't. I, I agree with you. But I, if, if I was running the wild or if I, I had a vote, I should just say, I can't just make it my own stranglehold decision. If I had a vote and I was in that room, I'm voting for Marcus Felino. He has everything I want it to be. But it, but if I was a betting man, it's probably going to be Jared Spurgeon.
1: I agree completely. Um, And I, I think that you're right. I think it's going to be Spurgeon. I would pick Felino personally. And, and if I was to rank the the three of them, I would go Foligno one, Spurgeon two, Parisi three. No slight against Zach in this case. But I think that they def- desperately need to transition to the newer group. group. He,
0: here's why I would-
1: crazy, I just wouldn't do.
0: Here's why I would actually go Spurgeon third, because I think both Felino and Prezi are, I don't want to say transitional captains, but Zach's up there in age, right? Marcus Felino is also entering the last year of his deal. And if you really wanted to, and you wanted to give a young player the captaincy long-term, and with the way the Wilder is built right now, it's all about short-term, let's see what we got here, and then we'll commit, or then we'll reassess. I would actually could make the case that Jared Spurgeon wouldn't be the the worst option, but I'd rather it be Felino or Prezi because in the short term it fixes that.
1: Who gets it if uh Parise is traded or Felino leaves
0: as a free agent? I, I would love it to be Fiala. I would I would, I would honestly love I give it I give him the captain. It. No way. I give him the cap I, I love his swagger, I love his demeanor. I want it, I would love it to be Fiala.
1: Nah, he's got too much pre Madonna score to him. I and I want it. I want he that. doesn't talk and it plus here, here's the thing that here's the thing with Marcus that I love. Uh-huh. He is a spokesman for the team and is brutally honest while still being a team guy. Fully, I er, Fiala, I've covered a ton of guys' decks, especially in the sport, like him. I mean, and he's a good player. So don't this is no slight against him as a player. He's really good. Um, but those guys, they're they're too up and down as far as moods go. If they score, they're in a great mood. If they don't, they're they're not. They don't always have. This is going to sound weird, but the great scorers don't always have the best interest of the team in mind. They have the best interest of themselves in mind. Um, So I would not go with him. Now, I don't know if there's a guy who is on the roster or up and coming who could uh, take that mantle eventually. But um, my Parisi thing is I think if the desire on both sides probably to end the relationship was not so high, But I I think if the Wild could trade him, which they proved right at the deadline last season, uh, they would trade him in a heartbeat. Um, But I'm with you. I think Foligno would be a great choice. All right. Last question. What are your expectations? And do you think Kevin Fiala is now a star?
0: Yeah, I think he's a star 100 percent, Chad. You saw in that plan tournament, even I know it was just four games, but there was no off switch. There was no. A uh, period of time where it looked like the rust came off. This guy has every budding to be a superstar. Um, and when you have someone like Kaprizov, who's now coming in, and maybe one day Marco Rossi joins the club, now all of a sudden the while go from not having any stars to having potentially three of them and three young guys that you're going to be able to control and watch for a very long time. I love his demeanor. when um, when he was when, when he was scoring goals towards the end of that pause and we did go in the locker room, you did talk to him. I love that confidence. I love that swagger that he had. You could tell that he was feeling himself. I'm a big fan of him. Um, and it, uh, of all the things that Paul Fenton got wrong, man, he had a grand flip and slam with getting Kevin Fiala here from Mikhail Granlin. So what are you I, yes.
1: about bring back Granlin. What are you talking yeah, about?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, I think Fiala has every makings to be the superstar that we all want him to be. He, this kid is legit. He shoots the puck. He has the confidence and swagger that I love. It, this franchise has been starred for someone like this. Yes. I think he's a superstar.
1: Oh, okay. So he, He got traded in the midst of the 2018-19 campaign uh, from the Preds to the Wild. In that season, he had 13 goals, 26 assists, 83 games, and um, a minus 23. Last year with the Wild, he got incredibly hot late uh, and in 64 games, finished with a career-high tying 23 goals, 31 assists, which was easily a career-high and was a minus one. I think he is on the precipice of being a star. Here's what I need to see: an entire season where he'll have a slump or two. So, like, he's not going to he's not going to uh, uh, completely crush for an entire year. But 56 games where he's engaged and playing like he showed he has the ability to play because he showed it for 56 games. Uh, that's what that's my next step. And if he does that, I'm going with star because I think his, his um, skills are outstanding. Now, again, we got to default back to the one talking point who is a center Mm because that's going to impact him. There's no question, but Fiala showed us in the stretch that I believe began in uh, February of 2020, that he has the attributes and the skills to be a star, but he has never put it together for enough of a season to say that's definitely him. So if we see it for fifty six games, if we see him apply himself and and play at the level that he basically did for what the last
0: Dex, was it about fifteen to twenty games of last year? I think it was more. I think it was more I think it was more like twenty, twenty to twenty five games, I feel okay. like but, okay. anyway. if we, but if we yeah. see
1: that if we see that for fifty six mm-hmm. games, there is no reason why Fiala and Caprizov can't be one of the top tandems at wing in this league.
0: That's why I am curious judd if that's why I asked you do you think they stay on the same line because I mean look at look at a team like Colorado, right? They are top heavy. They are top, they have a, they're a one line team uh, essentially, right? They have insane firepower on top. If if things aren't going well offensively, I think I think you have to see a situation where you put them on the same line. I know the guy in the oh, middle sure, yeah. is, is the biggest external factor in 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 answering that question, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. And how much fun would it be? to see Colorado's top line, Minnesota's top line. No defense, baby. All offense going up and down the ice. Hot
1: Who else hockey. is playing after that? Yeah. Do you not care? I don't you, care. Yeah, second line, whatever.
0: Yeah. Doesn't matter. Do whatever.
1: But Benito's fine. Um yeah, no, I, I could see it. I'm just saying, I think to start off with, I probably don't have them on the same line. But look, power play and stuff, for sure. For sure. Uh but yeah, Fiala, the most important thing to me is to see him and I guess I'm jaded too because how many players on this team have we seen? And I'm not trying to imply that there have been a lot of top line stars because there have not been. But how many top players have we seen in the franchise, right? Who like take weeks off and we're like, what happened to you? And then yeah. they come back and they're, you know, again, let's hit the stretcher on go. So. If Fiala can put together 56, just solid, damn, I care for 56 games. And it's the perfect year, right? It's 56 games. It's not 82. Um, It's the perfect year for a guy like him to basically come out and and declare, I am an NHL all-star. I can score. Kaprizov is good, too, but I am the best scorer on this team.
0: I love it. All
1: right. Final thoughts, Are you – Man, we've been going a while here.
0: We have. No, no, I, we, we haven't had much to talk about in the last six weeks. Oh, so this so, is great. This is so great. Well.
1: Absolutely fantastic, and yeah. I know, and I know that you will be staying up late throughout the course of the next few oh, months. You don't even care.
0: I love West Coast hockey. I'm, am I'm, I'm a night owl in general. Okay, like I don't even if it's a work night, I am not in bed till probably midnight. It's like it's just. It's how I operate. Sure. So I, I, I am for the West Coast times. To be honest. I wouldn't be shocked at all if, and I know Garen was kind of hinting at this in his Zoom press conference, too, that there might be some times, even on the West Coast, they might bump it down a little bit to get everyone on the right page there.
1: Oh, like a 6 o'clock start.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it, it would be an early, you know, it might even be 8 our time and 6 their time, yeah. wouldn't be shocked at all.
1: All right, Judd's Hockey Show. Um, I believe we will be back next week because there's finally hockey to talk about. Yeah. He's Declan, I'm Judd. Dex?